0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. I think we need to just stick in this, stick in this 2 Corinthians chapter 10 for a few more moments this morning. We kind of wound up that which we were teaching in the early service. I kind of got behind in this service for some reason, but we'll catch up. Amen. Everybody say catch up. Now, the the subject we're studying is the authority of the believer. And the good news is, is the believer does have authority. Amen. 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 There is authority. But just because you're a believer. I mean, you don't have to be some special vessel. uh, You know, uh, 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 you don't have to be in the ministry. You don't have to be a pastor, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher of any kind. Uh, Just if you're a believer. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then there is some authority that God has invested into you. And it's delegated, if I say delegated. delegated, and it's divine. That means it comes from God. It's His authority. Now, we made, the, we made the point last week that what good would it do for God or for Jesus Christ? We know Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now in a ministry of, uh, of being a high priest, an intercessor, an advocate. Uh, what good would it do for them to retain all that power in heaven where there really is no need for it? You say, what do you mean no need for it? Well, the need for salvation is down here on planet earth. Because everybody that's in heaven is saved. Amen. Uh, there's no need for, for, for healing power in heaven. You say, now why not? Well, because everybody in heaven is healed. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no accidents in heaven. Uh, there's no harm. There's no physical harm of any kind. Uh, there's no need uh, for any type of power or authority when it comes to prosperity. You say, now why is that? Well, there's nobody in, in heaven that's, that, that's poor. All of heaven is rich. All of heaven is blessed. Uh, even, even the city, the Bible says it's the city where the lamb is the light. He outshines the sun. So we know that all of these things are necessary down here. I like what one preacher used to say years ago. Down here in the nasty now and now. That's where we need salvation. That's where we need healing. That's where we need prosperity. That's where we need authority. And that's where the believer needs to exercise his authority is down here. Now understand this also. That just as God has a will for your life. Just as God has a plan and a purpose for you as an individual. We know he has one for us as a church. But for you as an individual, God has a plan, a purpose, a calling, and a destiny for your life. In the same way, so does the devil. The devil's can be described as this. He wants to come and steal. He wants to come and kill. He wants to come and destroy. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, why didn't God do something about it? God's already done something about it. I say God's already done something about it. And he's given us information in the Word of God. And he's given us power and authority to stop the activity of the devil down here on the earth. Listen, if it does not get stopped, it's not God's fault. I don't know if we really realize the weight of that. You know, if people die and go to hell, it's not God's fault. You say, now why isn't it God's fault? Because God's done everything he can do through redemption to get them saved. We're the ones that dropped the ball. We're the ones that are not out proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel like we should. Mankind has been the one that has kind of fallen into, into just religion in, in which basically, you know, we're just kind of guarding our four and no more. And where God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, proclaim it. And that's the world in which you live, the world in which I live, and the world in general in which we go to as a church. So we've got to be busy. Everybody say busy. busy. We've got to be busy about the master's business. And in so doing, the enemy wants to interrupt that. He wants to stop finances from flowing. He don't want that building built. But we don't care what he wants. We're going to do it anyway. He doesn't want souls getting saved. Uh, We don't care what he wants. We're going to get them saved anyway. He doesn't want bodies getting healed. We don't care what he wants. We're going to get them healed anyway. He doesn't want the oppressed to go free. We don't care. We're going to set the oppressed free anyway. And we're going to do it by the power and the authority that God has given us in Christ. Each and every one of us as believers and us as a church, as a corporate body. Now, in this scripture here in 2 Corinthians... We looked there last week. We studied it pretty well. But let's come back and look at it again this morning. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Everybody say war. war. After the flesh. Now, there is, nowhere, there is no warfare relevant to our redemption. Let me say that again. There is no warfare relevant to our redemption. You say, what do you mean by that statement, Pastor Rusty? I mean that there's no fight going on between God and the devil. There's no fight going on between God and. There's no, you know, there's books that were written back in the 90s. I hope you didn't read those books because some of them really messed up the church. But they describe combat, they describe confrontation, waging back and forth in the heavenly realm. In which God's armies and the armies of Satan were fighting this eternal uh, 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 battle: uh, good and evil, and righteousness and unrighteousness. And back and forth it goes. And sometimes righteousness prevails. Sometimes evil prevails. That's not true. That's not in the book. That's not. Listen, Jesus. He got. He got on that cross. He stretched his hands, he bled, he died. He went into the eternal part of this earth where at that time it was divided into two units, two places. There was paradise, Abraham's bosom where the saints of God went, those that were in covenant, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all those in Israel that died in faith having not yet received the promise of salvation. Then there was hell. There was Sheol, the pit, the place, of, the place of the dam. Jesus went into that place and suffered and died and was separated from God. Then he rose up out of that place. And he preached to those that were captive there in, in paradise and took them to heaven. And then he poured his blood on the mercy seat. Then he went into the heavenlies. Everybody say the heavenlies. He went into the heavenlies. We know that there are different dimensions, different realms. He went into this heavenly spear around this planet where demons and Satan himself operate and do things. And I want you to know he went into that realm and the Bible says he destroyed principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. The Bible says he led forward a vanquished foe. Now what people would do back in that day, Rome did it, the Assyrian Empire did it, the Egyptian Empire did it, the Babylonians did it, the Greeks did it. Uh, all of the the societies that conquered the world, they would go into cities, they would go into nations, and they would kill all of the nobility, all of the royalty, and they would get the king and they would bind him with fetters. And they would parade him in the capital city so that all of the people in the capital, capital city could see that their king was defeated. And then the conqueror would take the king of the crown. Oh, I like this. He would take the crown of the king, the king of the crown. He would take the crown of the king, the crown of the ruler, and he'd place it on his own head. He said he was just mocking him. He absolutely was. He was showing everybody, this ruler is defeated. This ruler is under my feet. Then that's what he would do. He would place his foot upon the neck of that king and he'd invite all his generals, all of those that fought in those battles, all of those that came and partook. He'd say, now put your, hand, put your foot right there on his neck. He'd take his foot off and those generals would put, his foot, put their foot on his neck demonstrating that he was defeated. Well, I want you to know the day you got saved, The day you got in Christ, Jesus, he invited, he said, come over, put your foot right here. It fits. Your foot fits right on the neck of Satan. It fits right there on the neck of the devil. Now, in Christ, put it there. Keep it there. Use your authority. Use your power. Use your ability in Christ Jesus and keep your devil under your foot. Amen. Now, notice what it says. For we walk in the flesh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So if there is no war in the heavenlies, where is the war? What's going on? Because the word war can be defined as a conflict with an undetermined outcome. No matter how strong or weak an army may be. I know during World War II, there was one battle that really fascinated me. It was the Battle of Singapore and Singapore was a was a battle between the Japanese army and the British army that was that was occupying Singapore and literally with a much inferior army the Japanese rushed that causeway and took an army that should have never been never been defeated they literally had the Japanese outnumbered 4 to 1 They had them outgunned. They had them outmaneuvered. They were in the city. The city was a stronghold. But these Japanese, man, I mean, they just had it in them. We're not going to be defeated. And they rushed that causeway, intimidated that British general, and took that entire garrison. You know one of their biggest problems? Their biggest guns that they had were only turned in one direction and could not be moved. All of their big cannons were turned seaward and not inland toward the approaching army. So what happened is they got into a fixed position and could not move out of that fixed position. You know, a lot of people do that through religion, through ideas, through insights of religion, saying things like, you know, God will put cancer on you. God will do this. God will allow all this harm. They get their guns fixed in one position. And when the enemy swings around another way, then they're unable to fight because of ignorance of what the Word of God truly says. Amen. So there is a warfare that's taking place. So we need to locate what it is, where it's happening. Now notice. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Thank God we don't use guns, bullets, and bombs. But they're mighty. Everybody say mighty. Mighty. Say it again. Say it again. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody say "Strongholds." strongholds. Now we defined strongholds last week. Intricate patterns of thought developed through repetition that go contrary to that which God has provided for us in Christ, intricate patterns of thought developed through repetition, through repetition, through repetition. Where you lit- literally many times because of a stronghold, you'll respond before you think. Because you've been preconditioned to respond that way. It may, it may be financially. I know there are people that do this. They'll have a financial situation happen in their life. And it'll cause great concern. And, great, and instead of dealing with that financial situation, they'll grab a credit card and go shopping. Don't look at me so holy. Because it just feels a little better to shop. Amen. Amen. Uh, We we use the illustration of allergies, many times allergies. And, you know, people, sometimes they begin to contract these allergies when they're four and five and six and seven. And now here they are, 35, 36, 37, they're still dealing with the same allergies. They come every year. Why? We have mold spores. We have oak spores. We have have tree pollen. We have grass pollen. All these pollens and all these things, they rise up. They get in our sinuses. They make our sinuses run. We've got to go to the doctor. We've got to get the shot. We've got to get the medication. Our doctor tells us we have them have the allergy. Our body tells us we have the allergy. Our prescription bottle tells us we have the allergy. Everything tells us we have the allergy. But God's word says... But see, we've thought so many years. We've thought so many years. We've thought so many years. You know, sometimes it doesn't even have to be there. You know, sometimes in the fall, I've watched this, where where a cold front will blow through, kind of premature, coming early, uh, excuse me, early September or late August, and it'll blow, blow through, and really there's no allergens in the air, but just because it cools off real quick, people will start hacking and coughing, having all kinds of problems. They do it with the flu. Every year they talk about flu season. Remember, around here, we don't believe in flu season. We like duck season. We like fishing season. We like football season. We don't take flu season. Amen. Amen. I mean the flu, that, they, they precondition many times. That's a stronghold. There can be strongholds of intimidation. There can be strongholds of fear. One of the great strongholds that, that, that gets into God's people is a stronghold of loneliness. Where people, if they have to live alone uh, and and live without a family, they think, oh, I'm so lonely. I'm never going to have anybody. I'm going to be by myself my whole life. No, you've got the greater one in you. God is on the inside. He'll break that stronghold of loneliness. Then he'll take you and place you in a church. The Bible says that's where he takes the lonely and places them in a family. So, we know that these imaginations, these strongholds, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. These strongholds get in our mind. So, verse Verse 5 says, Casting down, everybody say, Casting down, yes. imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, notice this. Say with me, Strongholds, Strongholds knowledge, knowledge, Thought. thought. Say it with me again, Strongholds, Strongholds Knowledge, knowledge thought. thought. Now, this helps us right here to understand where, everybody say, Where. Because if you can't locate the battleground, you can't get in the fight. If you can't locate the battleground, you can't get in the fight. This is where spiritual warfare takes place. Spiritual warfare takes place in the mind of the believer. Now, first of all, understand your human spirit. Ever say my human spirit. When you got born again, the life and the power of Almighty God found a place of resident inside of you. That presence, that Shekinah presence, remember when the, when the veil of the temple was rent top to bottom? And that Shekinah presence left the Holy of Holies? That Shekinah presence went up and went into heaven and was in heaven three days and three nights. Then it came back to earth and got where? It got in you. Know ye not? Know ye not? Ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In your human spirit is the life of God. In your human spirit is the power of God. In your human spirit is the anointing of God. Now let me say this. You may not like this, but there is not but one problem relevant to the human spirit. The devil can't touch it. The devil can't get near it. You have no spiritual problems other than the problem of not growing spiritually. Growth and development is the only spiritual problem you'll ever have. But as far as your human spirit goes, the Bible says you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of redemption and the evil one cannot touch you. He can attack your body. Oh, this is so good. Some of you get real happy if you realize this. He can attack your mind. He can attack your body. But he can't attack your spirit. He can't attack your spirit. You say, "What? God's in there, the Redeemer, the greater one. Greater is he that is in you. You think he's going to come and challenge the greater one? He can't come with you with any spiritual attack. He'll come to you with mental, physical, financial, family attacks, business attacks. Are you with me? So we've located where this warfare takes place. So number one, it begins with what? Casting down. Everybody say, cast down. That means the putting down of these thoughts that bombard our mind. So last week we mentioned this and it bears repeating. Some of these, some of these messages really bear repeating because it helps for you to hear them over and over a few times from me. Now, number one, understand there are three origins of thought. We studied this last week. Human thought. Should I wear my brown shoes or black shoes? Blue tie or red tie? Are we going to McDonald's or Popeye's? Amen. Now, wherever you want to go. Uh, 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 in the morning, will it be raining or sunny? I mean, that's just human thought. That has nothing to do with anything other than your life. Then there's demonic thought. Many times, demonic thought is very persistent. Thought of doubt. Thought of unbelief. Thought of destruction. Thoughts of isolation. Thoughts of fear. Uh, thoughts of sickness. Anything that has to do with anything... That God has provided for you in Christ. The enemy trying to steal it from you. He'll come to your mind. And sometimes I know it feels like a machine gun shooting thoughts into your mind. You know financially, physically, mentally. All this oppression and that's what it is. The enemy comes to do what? To oppress. That means to press down. Now here's the key. You've got to learn to fight the war of the mind in the realm of oppression. Because if you do not... Your adversary the devil will take it from oppression to obsession. He cannot take it to possession because possession is ownership and you're already owned by someone else you say I'm owned by somebody yes you are bought with a price you are not your own you've been purchased by the blood of the lord jesus christ so there is that demonic thought that comes to make you feel less than you are one of the one of the we said this uh, last week one of the greatest strongholds in many people's mind is religious thinking religious thinking that says things like well, Pastor Rusty, I, I, man, I come to Island Church. I've been coming for a couple of years. And I love what you teach and I love what you say. And, and, you know, I've had this sickness and disease for, for a long time. But I, I, I would never come down there and expect God to heal me. I'm so unworthy. You don't understand my past, Pastor. You don't understand. I hadn't preached around the world like you. I hadn't done all. But, but, but you know, my past, I was really wicked. I really did some bad. I, I'm, really, I'm, I'm really not worthy for that. Uh, And then you talk about God blessing us financially and giving. And, you know, I I give and and I do, but I really don't expect anything in return, you know, because I'm really not worthy. I'm really not worthy of all. Listen, let me just help you. None of us are worthy. None of us are righteous. Not, we, we partake of His holiness. We partake of His righteousness. We can go boldly to the throne of God, not because of us. The Bible says not by acts of righteousness which we've performed, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. There's no acts you can perform. There's nothing you can do to get righteous enough to come to God. But He makes you righteous. He makes you holy. He makes you acceptable. If you don't know that, then you can't fight that war. You can't fight that battle. I've used it, I've told it many times. I like a story, I like to tell it. Of the little lady that, that, that prayed all week. How many you have heard that story about the little lady that prayed? How many want to hear it? Yes. I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> little lady prayed all week. Precious saint in the church. Raised her family in the things of God. Her precious husband had gone on to be with the Lord. She took up a ministry of intercession. Prayed in the church many, many days, many hours. This particular week, she had prayed all week. She had taken some time and fasted. She'd prayed in tongues. She'd prayed in the understanding. She'd prayed the word of God. And when Sunday morning finally came, she was so frustrated she didn't know what to do. After the service, she came to the pastor and said, Pastor, I've prayed all week long. I fasted. I prayed in other tongues. I I I prayed the word of God. I prayed prayers of petition. I prayed prayers of intercession. I've been on my knees all week long. And I'm so frustrated because I do not feel like God has heard a word I said. So the pastor in all his compassion looked at her, took her by the hand. And said, I've got your answer this morning. She's looking to expecting, you know, expecting to receive the wisdom of his ministry. Said, here's what you need to do. He said, now there's, most people have left the church and gone. So, so I want you to just take off across the front and I want you just to begin to cuss. I want you to say every foul cuss word that could come to your mind. I want you to cuss and curse and just curse and cuss and curse. And she looked with this look of, of just like you'd slapped her. She said, I'll have, you know, I was born again at a young age in this church. I've lived my whole life. I've never allowed a cuss word to come out of my mouth. And he said, no, no, I think you should just cuss. And she said, why? Why should I cuss? Why do you think I should cuss? He said, why wouldn't you cuss? And she said, well, I'm afraid that if I were to cuss, God would hear me. And the pastor said, aha, you mean you've prayed all week long? you've interceded, you've prayed in tongues, you have fasted, you've prayed prayers of intercession, you've prayed prayers of petition, and you say, God hasn't heard a word you said, but the moment you cuss, he's going to hear you? Mm Mm-hmm. Someone got said, yeah, if that uh, rubs the fur the wrong way. People used to tell me, you really stepped on my toes. I'd always tell them, your toes don't need stepping on, your head does. You say, what do you mean? That's the way we get. We've prayed, God hasn't heard me. God doesn't see me at Island Church. But oh, he'll see you down at the, what's the, 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 hard times and where, where? Hard times and misery, amen. How do you know that, Laura? the hard times which by the way we'll be right down the street from glory to God that may be our youth building amen but see that's the way we get we let that that thinking we lose the war of the mind. And we don't realize, no, God loves us. God hears us when we pray. From the very first time, when you were a sinner, He heard your prayer of salvation. Don't you think His ear is not tuned now that you're His child to hear every plea that you make, every cry for help, every time you intercede, pray in the Holy Ghost? He's attentively listening to you. Amen. Amen. So there's, then there's divine thought, which is what? The Word of God. So you've got to learn to begin to inventory and look at where these thoughts are coming from. Secondly, it says to do what? Cast down imaginations. What are imaginations? Things that have no basis in reality. Right. How many loved O Yeller? Does anybody remember the movie O Yeller? Yes. And you cried at the end. <laughs> oh, Leah still can think about it. And I got to get her a Kleenex. <laughs> but here's Reality. Old Yeller didn't die. Old Yeller finished the scene and they led him over to some place behind the cameras and there's a big bowl of food and a bowl of water and he ate food, drank water and fell down and took a nap. (laughs) But you cry every time the end of Old Yeller when you know they got his limp body and they're carrying it out and he's, you know, dead dog dead and everybody's boo-hooing so they have gotten an emotional response out of you you have responded emotionally to something that did not happen. They have stimulated your imagination. Yeah. They've got in a what? An emotional response. That's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to run the old yeller of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looking for what? A response. What does he want you to do? He wants, with all the thoughts he's bombarding your mind with, he wants you. Now, he's not going to say it like this. He wants you to say it. He's going to say it like this. Admit it. You need to admit it. You're sick. You go down there to them people talking about you're not sick. They don't know how you feel. They don't know how many times you've had treatment. They don't know how many times you... I'm telling you, if anybody's sick, you're sick. And he wants you to say it. I have. Amen. He wants you to use your words... Because you are a what? Say it again. You are a creator. You said there's not but one creator. But he made a whole bunch more when he created them in his likeness and his image. Amen. The world is what it is today because men and women have created. He says, I give you the fruit of your lips. So you've got to understand, he is, he is not a creator. He has no revelation knowledge. He's looking for someone that will do what? Create his world or create God's world. That's what he's looking for. So he's wanting you to, you need to admit it. You're broke. You're broke. Come on, just admit it. Come on. Just say it. Just say it. And he'll bombard your mind. No money. No money in the piggy bank. No money anywhere. Even the money that was in the couch cushion you bought a dollar taco with last night just to eat. You're broke gonna be broke gonna stay broke grandma was broke grandpa was broke mama was broke daddy was broke you're broke broke and he's wanting you to identify say it and he's warning in your mind and that is the facts you be broke and that's most people's problem not realizing that you have a choice of which realm you desire to live You can either live in the realm, I call it the neighborhood of the facts, or you can move. Everybody say move. You can move over here to the neighborhood of the truth. Which I don't care if you've spent all of the money in the couch cushions and the couch cushions of your neighbor. It does not matter. The Bible still says he supplies all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ. And I do not call myself broke. I call myself blessed. I do not call myself cursed. I call myself blessed. I'm not going to say it. Well, Pastor, you just got to admit it when you're sick, you're sick. No, no. The Bible says, by his stripes, I'm healed. That does not mean I've not had some opportunities. I've not had some temptations. The enemy has not come against my body, for he has. But the truth is, by his stripes, I'm healed. And when he tries to paint an imagination in my mind through thoughts, I'm not going to give power to that imagination through my words. So you've got to do what? You've got to cast down. Now, that's been the problem in the body of Christ for years is we've tried to fight a bad thought with a good thought. Bad thought come. Let me think. Let's see. For God so loved the world. Yeah. How does that go now? Well, I'm going to think of flowers and puppies, kittens. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. It doesn't work. Because the devil will run over your puppy. (laughs) Kill your flowers. Amen. And allow your kitten to grow up. (laughs) I'm sorry to all the cat lovers. (laughs) But we have learned. That the gospel operates through two principles. This is how you got saved. Romans ten nine and 10. If thou shalt believe in thy heart and confess with thy mouth that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, for with the heart. For with the heart, man believeth. Not with the mind. With the heart. With the heart, man believeth. Not with the mind. The mind must be renewed by the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. But the heart is convinced of the reality of the Word by the Word. The Word carries power. It convinces it of the reality of what it says, despite what your physical body tells you, despite what your pocketbook tells you, despite what your mind tells you, or despite what the devil's telling you, the Word says, and the Word the Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. So you've got a settled word. That's not a settled word. What the Bible, says I mean what the doctor said, that's not a settled word. What the banker says, that's not a settled word. What the psychiatrist says, that's not a settled word. What the government says, that's not a settled word. But God's word is settled in heaven. His place of authority, his place of power. So you've got to take the word of God and begin to do what? As David said, I will say of the Lord. As Mark wrote, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You will have whatsoever you say. That is a law of humanity, not a law of Christianity. You don't find athletes walking around saying, well, I was the sorriest baseball player in my entire neighborhood. I couldn't throw the ball three feet. And I couldn't hit the ball over the feet. I can't, I can't figure out how I got into the majors. You ever heard somebody say that? It's not true. But you will find. One of, the, one of the ones that really impressed me was Michael Jordan. Because Michael Jordan ended up being the greatest player to ever play the game of basketball up to this point. Now, there's others here today. I mean, that's, but, but all things being equal, he's pretty good. But if you see, if you read his, his, his story, I saw it on a, on, a, on a documentary, how he always said, as a 7th grader that did not start on his 7th grade team, he said, I'm going to be the greatest player in the NBA ever seen, that's ever seen. And people say, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about. And he did not start as a junior high, he did not start till he was a senior in high school. And in North Carolina, it wasn't until he's was a junior that he really began to bloom. But every coach said this, he would not be denied. That's what every coach, he would not be denied. He continued to say, I'm going to be the greatest player that the NBA has ever seen. I'm going to be the greatest player. That What was he doing? He was using his heart and his mouth. And every time he lost, and every time he didn't get the championship, and every time he didn't start, and every time he was cut from a team, he did not let that phase him a bit. He continued to believe in his heart and confess with his mouth till what? He became what he believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth. Captains of industry, the same thing. They kept believing in their heart. They kept saying with their mouth. Athletes, you take politicians, many people use that same principle to achieve the success they have. Because it is a God given principle given into humanity. You get somebody in school that's a student and say, Well, I'm, I can't learn this. I can't learn this. I know I proved it myself. I was a solid C minus, D plus student. Counselors say, he just doesn't apply himself. Well, you know, I had other interests going at the time and was busy. <laughs> but then I end up in a Bible school setting where I've got three of my teachers, two of my teachers have doctorates of divinity. Other teachers have all these degrees. And I'm in this Bible school situation where, where I'm like overwhelmed with the volume of information that I've got to study, that I reports I've got to write, things I've got to recite, things I've got to memorize. I'm, I'm like, after two weeks, I just couldn't do it. I was ready to quit. And the Lord spoke to me and says, your problem is you're doing it in your own flesh, your own, with your own ability. You're not doing it with my ability. You're letting your thought life be destroyed. You're letting you're you're, you're you're seeing yourself quitting. You're seeing yourself down and out. You're seeing yourself unable. You're seeing yourself, all of your inadequacies, you're not seeing me. So I changed what I was saying. I began to say to the thoughts in my mind that said I couldn't study, I began to say I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. I begin to say that I have the mind of Christ. I begin to say, I don't care what my past is. I've got what I need to go through this Bible school. I've got what I need to study. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is. And I begin to fight those thoughts with words. I begin to say it every day. I still have my my, uh, 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 prayer logs that I had back then where I would write these confessions down. And every day, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And they'll be me, you're no good. You're just no drug dealer. You're just no bum. You're no surf bum down front on the beach. You ain't got, you're ain't. you not smart enough to go to this Bible. I mean, he bombarding my mind, bombarding my mind. But no, I'd be over here every day fighting the fight, warring against the enemy. Oh, it took some time. It was a fight going on. I mean, there were times at night I didn't get to sleep till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. and had to get up at 5. But I'd spend those nights praying. I'd I'd spend those nights saying, no, devil, the word says. The word says. The word says. The word says. Out loud, the word says. The word says. And I took divine thought and I destroyed demonic thought that was trying to keep me from what God had in my life. If you don't do it for you, it will not get done. Pastor Rusty can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. You've got to do it for yourself. And you've got to cast down those imaginations. So many people, they think they're held back. Get rid of the portrait the devil's trying to paint of your destruction, of your harm, of your hurt and let the Holy Ghost, the great artist of God, dip his brush in the blood of Jesus and paint a picture of your redemption and you begin to say it, you begin to declare it, you begin to command it to happen and you use your authority to drive everything of the world, the flesh, the devil out of your life. If you don't, it'll come back. It'll come back. It'll torment you. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts... See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to exalt the knowledge of sickness and disease over the knowledge of God's healing power. That's why if you get diagnosed... Listen, I'm not saying do anything stupid. But if you get diagnosed with something, you must make a decision to allow the Word of God to become the predominant source of information into your mind because the doctor's going to make sure you got plenty of information and on your own you can go to the internet and get ten times more. I remember I was in, in Bible school in 1984 and this was about two years, two and a half years after Pastor Dodi Osteen was diagnosed with metastatic cancer of the liver. They gave her six weeks. The doctor looked across the desk and said, I don't care. We can do chemo. We can do radiation. You're going to bury your wife in six weeks. And, and Pastor John, he, he, told, he told the doctor, he said, uh, "Well, we'll uh, uh, we believe in miracles. And the doctor said, well, you're going to need one. And Brother Osteen looked him right in the face and said, we're going to get one in Jesus' name. And they went back late on their floor. Some of you read their book, Healed of Cancer. But this is what she told our class I thought was so amazing. She said, when they got that diet, she said, I could physically feel the words of that doctor hitting my body. They were so strong cancer. She said, in my mind, cancer screamed, you're going to die. Cancer! 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 She said it was one of the most overwhelming voices she'd ever heard in her life. But she said, way down in the most deepest recesses of her human spirit, not her mind, but way down in the deepest recesses of her human was a little bitty voice that said, by his stripes, ye are healed. So she said her warfare was to do what? Was to change the two voices. (coughs) Where the voice in her spirit was saying, By his stripes ye are healed. And the voice in her mind was going, Cancer, 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 till it was gone. She said we were overwhelmed with the report of the doctor, but we made a decision to get more overwhelmed with the word of God than we were overwhelmed by the report of the adversary. And I'm telling you, that's a man. You might as well put that in the Bible for me. Amen. Because I guarantee you, I watched her for years, overcome, strong. She just turned, what, 80, 81 years old. She's blessed of God. And I want you to know, it's the same God that we're serving. It's the same God. You say, well, that's a preacher's wife. That's this and that. No, no, no. It's the word of God. They could've, she could have rolled over and they'd have buried her. The same thing is true for us. No matter it be your finances, your family, your health, oppression of the enemy, it tries to exalt itself over the knowledge of God. You've got to stand over here in the knowledge of God. You've got to make a decision. I will not be moved. I will stand. And here's the good thing about the Word of God. It will strengthen you. It will help you. It will uphold you. It will empower you. And it will make you strong. That's the weapons of our warfare. They're what? Mighty through God. And you'll tear down those strongholds and walk in the victory of God. And bringing into captivity every thought. Now, I don't know. You may be a a horse lover. But a a horse that's untrained, a horse that is just running wild, is really of not a lot of use. What was that horse we met? Little Little We met a horse named Little Peppy. I don't know if anybody knows who Little Peppy is. Little Peppy is in the lineage of the first quarter horse that was ever deemed a quarter horse at the King Ranch. When we met Little Pepe, he was 36, 37. Little Peppy was insured at that time for what? $200 million. And they say in his lifetime, he had produced close to 3, $3.4 billion. He had produced so many folds and then they had sold uh, material in order to create others. He had, I think, something like uh, 25,000 offspring. The least any of them sold for was 750,000. The most any of them sold for was like 2.1 million. He had produced almost... $3 billion in income. Now that's a horse you want to own. Amen. That's a horse that has been controlled. That's a horse that has been tamed. But you got to see your mind as a corral with a bunch of wild horses in it a bunch of wild horses. There's all these wild thoughts of thoughts of your destruction, thoughts of your pain, thoughts of your past, thoughts of harm and hurt. And you got to see yourself as the head honcho and that word as a rope. And you going in, and here comes this thought, just running around, running around, kicking, no good whatsoever. Thought of poverty and lack. You've got to get your lasso around that thing, and you've got to bring it into control. And you've got to bring that thing over there and tie it up. As soon as you do that, you've got to go deal with one that has to do with sickness. you got to do it. you got to bring it over here, and you got to tie it up. you got to bring There's one loneliness, hurt, rejection. you got to take it. you got to go continually into the, quote, corral of your mind, and you've got to corral the thoughts that just run wild. The reason with so many people where they suffer So much when they shouldn't suffer is they're lazy in their mind. You got to use your mind all week long to work. You got to use your mind just to get to work. You got to use your mind to get home from work. You got to use your mind to you just find you just want to sit down in front of the TV and tell them stimulate my imagination. (laughs) Then here comes the devil after the TV's off. Did you know that watching TV for two hours because they say watching TV puts your mind at neutral. It puts it in neutral. And you have to make no decisions. They make all the decisions for you. That, that watching TV for two hours is equivalent to taking one half of a five milligram Valium. How many know what a Valium is? How do you know that? It's a, it's a, it's a pill of, what, what would you call it? A tranquilizer. It's a tranquilizer. So what does TV do? It tranquilizes. You don't have to think. You just sit there. Watch Batman or whatever. But you're going to have to get busy. You're going to, have, you're going to have to get rid of the light. You're going to have to go to work. It doesn't work. We say, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to come to church. Well, you don't come to church but a couple hours a week. Even if you come to all the services, all the services all the time, you're still only going to hit about five or six hours. What are you going to do the rest of the week? That's why you've got to renew your mind. That's why you've got to bring these thoughts into captivity. That's why a lot of people stay addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. They never challenge the stronghold that was built. I've got to have this. I've got to have this. I've got to have... No, you don't. No, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You've got to understand anything the devil has, God's got 10 million times greater than that. All you've got to do is fight your way into it and keep it in Jesus' name. So you've got to make a decision to start. Some of you, the best thing you could do today would be just go home and say, I'm going to declare war in Jesus' name. It's going to start right here. Now, here's the good news. Let me close with this. Jesus died where? On Golgotha. That's Aramaic. That means the place of the skull. And they put a crown of thorns Upon his head. Jesus was literally saying to us. I'm going to take the curse of man. That has to do with man's mind. And I'm going to take it upon myself. I'm going to die in the place of the skull. Because I know in the skull of man. Is where the greatest warfare is going to take place. So I'm going to be the savior. And the Lord of his spirit. And the redeemer. And the deliverer of his mind. So that man can walk worthy of the Lord. And be fruitful in every good work. And increase in the knowledge of God. Amen. How valuable is it to study that Bible? Did y'all see when the people were here from Hong Kong, some of you might not have seen a few weeks ago, and it showed these people getting their Bibles for the first and they were holding and hugging and kissing their Bibles, and tears were running down their face. Why? They know this is going to change my mind. It's going to change my mind. It's going to change my life, and if we stay with it long, it'll change our whole nation. It'll change everything about us. They know how valuable the Word is. God knows how valuable the Word is. The devil knows how valuable the Word is. Do you know how valuable it is? When you see its value, when you see its ability to cause every thought in your mind to be challenged that is not of God, when you see its ability for you through confessing and speaking to those thoughts for you to overcome all that negative thinking, thinking of loneliness, doubt, unbelief, pain, hurt, sorrows of the past, addiction, affliction, no matter what it may be, you destroy those strongholds. Then God begins to reprogram your mind with the Word. You no longer see yourself as unworthy. You see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ. You see yourself as a new creature. You see yourself as more than a conqueror. Then you begin to understand the plan and the will of God. You begin to see He leads you in paths of righteousness. For You, you begin to see and understand these things and you realize God really did Make provision for me, spirit, soul, mind, and body, for me to live as more than a conqueror on this fallen planet. Isn't that good news? Lift up your hands and thank God for that this morning. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word, for the goodness of it, Lord, for the strength of it, as we meditate upon your word. Lord, you said through your psalmist David, that the meditation upon the things of God would be sweet that your mind would turn toward the things of God. Father, I pray for each and every person that's sitting in this meeting this morning that is struggling in their mind today. I say, devil, you're defeated in their minds. That thoughts of sin and unrighteousness, thoughts of perversion and addiction, thoughts of all of these things of the world, the flesh and the devil, are broken over them in Jesus' name. And the thoughts of victory and grace and mercy and righteousness and peace begin to rise up and become a standard in their thinking. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put your hands down for just a moment. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you living right? Are you doing right? One of the greatest ways not to think is that you can do something in your life to make you right with God. There's no acts. There's no works. You have to come to Jesus just as you are and make a decision to accept him as Savior. Say, well, pastor, I'm a good person. That doesn't matter. Well, pastor, I've I've, I've given money to poor. It does not matter. You must have a Savior. His name is Jesus. If you're here today and you're not living right, you've made Jesus Lord, but you're not living right. You've broken your fellowship. That relationship is not there like it used to be. You need to restore yourself today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around at me, let me ask you the question. Are you right with God this morning? Are you right with God? If you say, I'm not, Pastor, but I want to be right, please pray with me. I want to do that. So if you're not right with God, if God is dealing with your heart right now, and you'd like for me to pray with you, lift your hand right now. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Let me look around real quick. Pray with me just for a moment, saints. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We see one hand. You can put that down. Anyone else? You say, that's me, Pastor. I see another hand. God bless you. You can put that down. Anyone else, quickly, would say, that's me, Pastor. I want to be right with God this morning. I want to be right with God this morning. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I want to know in my mind, not just in my heart, but also in my mind that I'm right with God. I'm tired of being tormented with thoughts of hell, thoughts of death, thoughts of destruction. I want to be right with God. Anyone else, real quickly, as I look around. Anyone else? Praise God. Everybody look this way. Here's what we're going to do this morning. I want us all to stand. Everybody stand. Now I want us all to lift our hands up to the Lord. Lift your hands up to the Lord. And take one hand and put it on your heart. And I want everybody to pray. Especially the two that have raised their hands. I want everybody to pray out loud. So your own ears hear what your mouth is saying. Are you ready? Say with me. Heavenly Father. Right now. Openly. And publicly. I confess. Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Today, I recognize and realize there is a war that goes on in my mind. And today, I accept and receive deliverance from mindsets, strongholds, ways of thinking contrary to the Word of God. I declare today at Island Church as I confess my sin to you, Lord, and you alone. You are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Therefore, I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, and think in my mind, I am I am right with God. My sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. I will never, ever be the same. Today begins the process of my mind changing and coming into subjection and submission of the Word of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the knowledge of your Word, I am free, I am free, I am free, I am free. Now rejoice and thank God for it. Come on, rejoice and thank God for it. Rejoice and thank God for it. Come on, rejoice and thank God for it. Isn't God good? Uh, you learned something today? Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com.